Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Come on, class. Sit down. Settle down. Get those books open. Yep. Music Order. 101. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, students. It's time to begin. Jacob Banks. Why do we not have theme music for Music 101? Someone should compose some theme music. Really? Commission a composer. Someone She's looking should at me do that. Sternly. Seriously. We should have a competition. We should have a competition. And I will be the sole judge. Hey, that's not a bad idea. We should do it. I think I think the Augustana student composers could have a little competition to compose theme music for, for music, music 101. 101. I'm I think it's a great idea. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, if you're wondering where additional inspiration is coming from, we have a guest. We're welcoming the new conductor of the Augustana Symphony Orchestra, Daniel Chattel. Daniel, welcome. Thank you so much. You guys booked across 38th Street in the rain, I'm assuming, to Absolutely. sit down here in studio this <laughs> afternoon. Yes. and uh, We're so happy to have Daniel in the Department of Music um, as the new conductor of the Augustana Symphony. Yeah. He's uh, doing a great <laughs> job. We were just very thrilled that he was able to join us, and I thought it would be great to sort of like because he's a teacher too, let's have him come on over and uh, talk a little bit about some of the things the Augustana Orchestra is playing right now. But the most important thing is we should have Daniel tell a little bit about himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here here comes Daniel. You know, we said uh, goodbye to Daniel Culver. Right. So DC and DC. It was very easy to change. Karmic, yeah. Yeah, it was easy to change the nameplate, right? It's really yeah. We're keeping it simple for right. everybody. <laughs> editing the templates, editing the templates in Word for the program, and of course Daniel Culver, we miss him dearly. I mean, forty-two years at yeah, the helm, a real legacy with a the really, Augustana Symphony. It's just, uh, it's so so. It it was an easier easier to say goodbye knowing that someone named that Daniel was just a little bit easier. I won't say it was easy it was not easy to say goodbye uh, because Daniel gave so much to Augustana and we had such a great a great run this you know uh, he did such a great job with the the new piece from last spring and it was great but we were also you know there's uh, there's every there's time for change all the time and we're so happy to have the next Daniel it really was not a requirement for the job to have the name Daniel. It just worked out that way. <laughs> and he and you come from us. Uh, you're you know you're you're joining us from horse racing. Country. I am. Yes. Yeah. No. Well, I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you so much for inviting us to be here today. Um, it's been great coming to this community and this musical community here at Augustana, and I'm just really excited to learn about all the great uh, music and art and dance and opera that's happening here. Uh, in the Quad Cities. Uh, as Jacob said, I'm coming from uh, Lexington, Kentucky, mm. uh, where I was living for the last seven years. And um, I was there uh, working uh, with the Central Kentucky Youth Orchestras, which is a really tremendous independent youth orchestra program uh, that serves uh, 10 or 12 counties in Central Kentucky and also uh, working a little bit at the University of Kentucky. And uh, there's such a great uh, center of musical culture um, there in Lexington. But what's actually one of the things that's really fun is that in the state of Kentucky, there's a huge tradition of folk and heritage music mm -hmm. um, from around the surrounding areas. And so it was such a um, just sort of a wealth of diversity of musical styles that are really being represented there. So uh, in the youth orchestra, we're playing Tchaikovsky and Brahms and Copeland, as you'd expect. But it was great to have young students who we're doing all that with me in the evenings, but actually their primary passion was fiddle music. And uh, they'd be taking from world-class fiddle pedagogues uh, around the state. And then it was really exciting because 
we'd be playing music at a really high level, but then some of those students would bring skills of improvisation and collaboration with them that um, some of our more classically trained students wouldn't necessarily have at such a young age. And it was really great to have all that energy and all that excitement uh, right there in the ensembles. Yeah, I love when you look at, I, I was reading about you uh, before you guys came in, and you know, when you think about these little pockets across the country where there is this enormous arts culture, there is such a rich diversity of music and arts and organizations and a lot of great talent. And uh, so there you are coming from Lexington, Kentucky, where if you were to ask people to name, you know, where's where's a big pocket of <laughs> musical richness and diversity that way, yep. that might not necessarily be the first place that would spring to mind any more than the Quad Cities probably right. would. Right. But it, really, in a way, this was sort of a lateral arabesque in that sense mm -hmm. for you, in that you were coming from a community that offered all of this great wealth of diversity and richness and talent coming to another pocket sure. in the country where you can kind of expand on that a little bit. Absolutely. And I think what's really important to say whenever we're talking about this kind of topic is that, you know, the work we did at the Youth Orchestra, the work we were doing at the university is so, um, it, the roots of that are in teaching. So they're in primary school teaching, they're in public school teaching, they're in private teaching. And that kind of dedication and community of pedagogy in the area is what then really seed, you know, sows the seeds of all that talent and all of that work. And what's exciting is to come to a new community where it's so clear that teaching is exists and is rich. And then um, it's wonderful to be a part of that educational community here at Augustana and the Quad Cities as well. So is that one of the things, Daniel, that really sort of attracts you to kind of uh being with youth orchestras right now is that you kind of get to start at an age where kids are really open to all of the musical influences they might drag their feet a little bit on practicing or you know whatever <laughs> not but, but... augustana students <laughs> mindy but i'm saying when you get when you get those teachers that inspire you right then suddenly music it, I remember taking music lessons and I had different teachers along the way and there were those that really made me want to learn the music, made it sure. exciting, sure. broke it down in ways that suddenly music had a different feeling and a whole different groove than it had from another teacher who maybe had a little bit different approach that mm -hmm. didn't resonate quite so well with me. So I, I'm, I'm wondering when, when you find that kind of energy of, of having to tap into an orchestra where you've got all different kinds of kids and you're going to have to try to reach them and get them all kind of excited and gizzed up for doing a Haydn symphony. You know, kids today are hundreds of years removed from the groovy <laughs> sure. symphonies. And I know. Time, Haydn's you know? not cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. But Haydn he is. But he is. Cool. And, and it, it, that's where it's incumbent on the teachers, I think, to sort of make Haydn cool. One of the comments in the local paper about you, Daniel, was that you made Lexington a cool place for artsy kids. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's always the thing for those of us that were music well, geeks growing up. I think so. Was you wanted to be cool, too. You weren't exactly the sporto kid, but you were in band and orchestra, and you wanted to be cool. Well, I, I think one of the things that's really fun about working with uh, with young people in particular is that like in the Augustana Symphony, we have students who are music majors. We 
We have students who are music minors. We have students who are psychology majors. We have geology majors. We have every kind of major and interest in that ensemble. And what's exciting for me is trying to um, access everyone's connection to the music and really give them agency over their own enjoyment of what's happening in rehearsal. And I think when we start accessing that kind of energy, that gets very, very contagious very quickly. And it's really exciting. So we might be playing at somewhat different technical levels, but that doesn't mean we ask anything different from each other or from the ensemble. What it means is we're asking for what are your strengths and what is this person's strengths and asking them to contribute the very best version of themselves to what we're doing. I think the fun thing for me, uh, especially we have rehearsals in the evenings for Augustana Symphony, and it's, it can be a long day. Sometimes it can be a long week. And we get to orchestra, and one of the things I try to say is I know you might come in tired, but rather than approaching what we're going to do from thinking about what you have to do two hours from now when you're done with rehearsal, let's just let rehearsal be a two-hour break from everything else you have to do. Come and let's enjoy. And part of my, what I will do is bring the very best version of my energy and my expertise to what we're doing. And what I'll ask from you is exactly the same thing. Just come in and bring the best version of yourself. And if we all do that, we're going to make some really exciting sounds. And uh, I'm, I'm really stoked with the the energy in the group and the work we've been doing this semester. Well, I will say too, I told Daniel this on the way over, but you know, I routinely poll my students about their many exploits. You know, how's, 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 well, you know, their academic exploits and the rest of it I don't care about, but there are many things <laughs> they're involved in. How is improvisation ensemble? How is choir? How is this? And when and I found when I'm asked students, how is orchestra, you know, how's orchestra going? How's it? And, and routinely they will say, multiple students will say, Oh, we're playing really fun music, which I think is a really is very high praise, you know. And in fact, we have some of that very fun music on the docket today. I would say there's no, you know, Haydn might be a hard sell for you know millennials, not, though not entirely, you know. That he has some cool things about him. But I actually once said about Haydn that he's like your dad. When you're young, he's the most boring person alive. <laughs> but the older you get the more bizarrely intriguing he becomes. Is that true? That's, I, that's amazing. Yes. It's totally right? true of Haydn. Because when you're little, you're like, oh, snooze fest, Haydn. And then you're older, you're like, he the did jokes what? Get yeah, yeah and you're like, you know, you know, there's that book, like, you know, stuff my dad says. And that's what Haydn is to me. So anyway, but we're not talking about Haydn today. For some, something that needs, that needs no, no uh, invigorating at all um, is the repertoire that, among the pieces that you've chosen, uh, we thought we'd take, for Music 101 purposes, we'd take a closer look at one of them. And that piece is... Uh, Aaron Copeland's four dance episodes from his ballet, Rodeo. So I was just curious, Daniel, how were you, you know, coming into a new orchestra, uh, were you kind of wanting to throw something that was a little more challenging at everybody or just kind of going with, hey, let's take a great American composer and just hit the ground running with it, see where we go? Well, I was really trying to approach the season like a bit of a smorgasbord, mm -hmm. making sure everybody would have something they could enjoy. The fall is all music from the Americas. Uh, so we're doing Gershwin and Copeland and Dvorak and a uh, piece by Arturo Marquez. And then the winter is all music about the forest. And so we're sort of going into fairy tale world with uh, Hansel and Gretel and a Dvorak tone poem. And then the spring is all about fate. So we're uh, doing an overture to Verdi, La Forza del Forza. Uh, Forces of Destiny. Yes, yeah. Destiny. Yeah. Um, the Tchaikovsky, Romeo and Juliet, and then Beethoven 5. And so we're talking about 
Um, I really love programming in a way that um, allows students, again, a, a student who doesn't have to love Beethoven could say, that's interesting. What does fate mean across these things? Let's get our mind thinking in that way. And so I, I hope this first year as I'm getting to know the ensemble and they're getting to know me, we all have something we can really grab hold onto and then we'll kind of go from there. But for me, I love coming with American music and particularly uh, Copeland, who just speaks very much to my soul and it's just been a part of um, my musical life since I was very young. And so um, that's all just something that I feel that I can really share very sincerely. Okay, so let's set up the Copeland here. Yeah. Because we're going to hear a little bit of music here. Yep. And Daniel was gracious enough to bring in a CD with him. Man, I love that. We're coming I over with know. gifts. That's, awesome. That's great. Well, yeah, Michael Torkey, when we came over, he brought you He brought you CDs oh, yeah, too. I mean, yeah, we yeah. didn't tell you this. Michael Torkey came. Yeah. Came. It, it wasn't Music 101, though. Not that. It, no. it was nascent Music 101. It was the, <laughs> it was the, the spark that started a thousand fires. It was amazing. But anyway, yeah, so I've never brought a CD up, but Daniel, Daniel, his first Music 101 brought a CD, so good job. <laughs> Doing my best. Yeah. yeah. So should we, do you want to just yeah, listen to yeah. an excerpt and, and Daniel can talk about it? Yeah, let's hear a yeah, little bit. That's it, okay. And then we can talk a little bit about what's happening in the story and some of the source material that Copeland uses. That'll be great, because actually this is really music that doesn't need a whole lot of setup to begin with, but as Daniel starts to break it down for us, this is going to be absolutely fascinating. So here we are with a little bit of music by Aaron Copeland. Okay, so Daniel, break that down for us. Aaron Copeland. Aaron Copeland, great. So this is a, a selection from the first movement from this suite called Buckaroo Holiday. Um, and one of the things that's really fun about the way in which Copeland built this piece is that he uses folk uh, tunes and fiddle tunes, um, and he incorporates them into his classical music uh, compositional styles. And so in a lot of ways, this piece is very tuneful and very singable. In a lot of ways, the compositional practices are, in, in fact, incredibly modern. And so uh, this tune represents uh, the cowboys coming into the dance hall. Um, this, of course, represents the whole story is this beautiful little ballet about a southwestern uh, rodeo, you know, where on Saturdays all the towns, the rodeo folks would get together and put on a big show and then have a social dance in the evening. And uh, Agnes DeMille, who is Copeland's collaborator and dancer, and she was the original, uh, played the cowgirl in the original production. Um, this was a somewhat autobiographical um, thing for her, not necessarily in terms of her experience with cowboys, um, but uh, she wrote about how um, the cowgirl uh, represents uh, sort of living in a, a woman working in a man's world, not feeling entirely comfortable in that scenario, trying um, to have uh, the men around her take her seriously, but then also 
figuring out how to connect with them as well. And the story is very sweet. She um, develops feelings for one of the cowboys who is not interested in her. And part of the psychological part of the piece is about her uh, kind of reckoning with a little bit of her awkwardness and her loneliness, and then ultimately um, having her feelings um, uh, come through with another uh, young man who really respects her for who she is. Uh, and so this is a tune where um, all the cowboys come in and we hear this beautiful angular uh, music that comes through. And this actually comes from a railroad song. And so we hear some of these railroad ideas in the percussion. So we've got xylophone going on. Bum, 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 bum. And so that is the tune of this song, which was originally written about the, uh, the Emino Railroad, uh, which is just a really neat way that Copeland brings that in. Um, I think the next tune we might hear is, is a tune called If He'd Be a Buckaroo. And uh, I actually brought a recording of uh, Peggy Seeger, um, who sings the tune uh, with guitar and a little trio. And then maybe we can hear the excerpt that Copeland uses to incorporate it into his piece. If he'd be a buckaroo by his trade, I have him a hundo ready made. And if he throw his turns on right, I'll have my hondo every night with his ring ting tinny and his ring ting hey, with his ring ting tinny and his ring ting ho. If he'd be a preaching by his trade, I have him a pulpit ready made. I'll take his Bible in my hand, together we'll go to the promised land with his ring ting tinny and his ring ting hey, with his ring ting tinny and his ring ting ho. Wow. Yeah, from 1964, vintage. Yeah. Great stuff. That is so, that's, <laughs> wow. Beautiful music. Great and great, great plan, too. So we're talking about uh, Aaron Copeland's Rodeo, which is going to be performed by the Augustana Symphony Orchestra. One of the pieces on their concert, which is coming up, uh, Jacob Banks and I, for this edition of Music 101, if you've just joined us here, are welcoming the new conductor of the Augustana Symphony Orchestra, Daniel Chattel, who's kind of telling us a little bit about Rodeo, breaking it down a little bit. So now we've heard uh, about how everything opens up, and I love the idea that Copeland was actually using a very modern kind of idea for that time of, as you were explaining, a woman trying to kind of find her way in a man's world and finding ways to try to relate to them, to work with them, uh, then being rejected by the one cowboy that she's totally crushing on. Oh, come and then, on. I know, Poor and then girl. trying to reconcile her place in that. So then we moved from that to, you know, the obvious uh, folk tune where we had the lovely banjo accompaniment yes. in there. It doesn't get any more folk American folk music than that. Right. And I think, too, I mean, one of one of the great things I think about Copeland and and Daniel, you can speak to this a little bit. Is this you know talk about Haydn? This is not this is by no means a new idea to sort of take the you know and certainly in the 20th century it became a, a huge idea even to go to to find so-called folk music from places that weren't even considered wouldn't even be considered source material anymore. If you look at Bartok and his work. And yet there's something about Copeland that is like really uniquely American. Um, he, he in one way participates in a project that's been going on for a long time, which is incorporating into, symph into symphonic music, uh, more vernacular music, as we would call it, from other places. And yet he does it kind of in his own way. Absolutely. I think Copeland is uniquely um, interested in creating a sense of place 
in the music that he writes. And so, you know, in in this piece, in Billy the Kid, that places the American Southwest, and he's really active and thoughtful about bringing in those ideas. In Appalachian Spring, that's the Pennsylvania countryside, and he evokes a very different sense of place. And then, actually, I think in some ways, the most evocative piece, not necessarily tuneful, would be Quiet City, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's oh, a yes. piece that is perhaps a little <laughs> underplayed, underknown, but I just adore it because... It's a very good piece. You, mm-hmm. in, rather than necessarily than using tunes in this explicit way, he's really evoking the notion of echoing throughout an empty city. And um, when we really hear that next to these more rural sounds, I think we hear his specificity of place in the music. And I think that one's a really great example of of the the universal appeal that Copeland has all across the United States, because that could be anybody's quiet city, really. Sure. I mean, you're, you're talking about how regionally we can hear, you know, that Copeland is speaking to very distinct parts of the country in the music, even though it is a very American sound. But quiet city is one of those, like I said, that could be anybody's quiet city. <laughs> <laughs> I have oh, to hear, though. I really yeah. want to hear what did Copeland do. Yeah. What, let's hear, yeah, let's because move on. What did he do with that that particular, that if he'd be a buckaroo? Like, what, what happens musically to the piece? Yeah. And so we'll hear, we just heard that beautiful uh, singing and the banjo picking for He'd Be a Buckaroo. And now we're going to hear it in the orchestra. And so I think we'll be able to recognize the tune, but then also enjoy everything that he brings to it. Okay, yeah, can't miss yeah, the, hey. the obvious the illusion only thing there. Is the banjo. <laughs> the banjo. Where's the banjo? <laughs> right. You could have you could do a banjo if you wanted to. He didn't. There's no banjo at the at the OK Corral. No, what's great is you can hear in the strings a little bit. The articulation they play is this sort of chunked articulation. Yep. They're not really stroking across the string. It, it is They're more just like kind the of bouncing string. off it. Yeah, just exactly. like the banjo. Yeah. So we sort of create this big string section wide banjo effect. Um, just to evoke and mimic that idea a little bit. Wow. Yeah, totally yeah. cool. That's uh, great. Yeah. All right, Daniel, what else you got for well, us Well, I think we should jump right to the excerpt I think people are going to recognize. Um, this is a, uh, we're going to go straight to his fourth movement, which is the hoedown. Um, the fiddle tune is actually, uh, was originally written in Ashland, Kentucky. It's a, an amazing tune, and we're going to hear Dodd, uh, Doc Fiddle McNair, um, play this. Uh, a lot of these tunes are recorded and live in the Library of Congress. Um, they were part of a, a work by the Lomax brothers to create this wonderful um, collection of fiddle tunes. And so let's hear the fiddle tune and then maybe we can jump right into the excerpt from Copeland, which I think people recognize from a very famous commercial from the 90s. Thank you. 
listening to Bonin' Parts. That's the Bonin' Parts. I know it's a diamond is forever, <laughs> right? <laughs> a diamond is is that right? No, no. So no. I was personally waiting for Robert Mitchum and or Sam Elliott to, oh, ju- to jump in. Oh, is that what it with, was? Yeah, what's for dinner today? Beef. Right. <laughs> exactly. I feel. Do like you remember the diamonds are forever one? Too? No, I'm not that sure. One. Oh yeah. Oh, it was like that. the shadows yeah, moving yeah, yeah. around in the shadows. Had, I remember thinking, I'm like, wow, that's classical music. <laughs> well, everybody did, but everybody thought it was Vivaldi. So we I would know. we would get calls at the station all the time for which Vivaldi work was forever? that. It's like, actually, it isn't. Carl Jenkins wrote it. So I'm sorry I brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, okay. it's great. It's all good. It's, it's so hard good. to hear where the fiddle tune ends and Copeland begins. I mean, they're so, they're, it's just, it's, it's so seamless, lively really. and amazing. It's yeah, beautifully yeah. done. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I think the... Part of what's fun about that style of composition from Copeland is that we hear the tunes and then we also hear his own personal voice. So we're really getting a little bit of everything. And it's it's uh, really enjoyable for the orchestra to be able to go through all these different permutations of the music, um, especially the hoedown, which really is mostly just a set of variations of the hoedown, that Bonaparte's retreat theme um, with a little few other things snuck in. Now, how um, appropriate. It's really great. The weekend after, well, two weeks after the Quad City Symphony plays... Eroica, the third Beethoven's third symphony that we would have Bonaparte's Bonaparte retreat. retreat. Why don't you, because we're short on time, make yeah. sure that our listeners know when the concert is. Yeah, because I know they want to come now. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So the concert is uh, next Saturday, so Saturday, October 15 at 8 p.m. in Centennial Hall. It's free. It's open to the public. Um, so we'd welcome anyone to come. Uh, again, the program is all music about the Americas. Uh, Gershwin, Marquez, Dvorak, and Copeland. Um, so we'd love to see as many people there as possible. Okay, so Centennial Hall, next weekend, the 15th, yep. and the time again? 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Super so, fun. It's yeah. going to be great. Show up early. It's going to be fun. Uh, listen to the Augustana Symphony now under conductor Daniel Chattel. Uh, Daniel, thank you for coming by. I hope you'll come up and do another Music 101 with us here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Bring CDs. I mean, that was, <laughs> it was, it's nice, isn't it? That was great. Well, I think it's always fun to, again, kind of have that inside glimpse into the music. It, it, it 
enhances one's appreciation. You know, no matter how many times many of us have heard that particular piece by Copeland, whether you've heard the entire rodeo or even just the hoedown, uh, hearing it broken down so that you can kind of go, oh, that came from there. And that was Bonaparte's retreat. I mean, it just makes the piece seem like greater than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So, Daniel, thank you so much again. We'll look forward to seeing you again. All right. Fantastic. And uh, again, don't forget, Augustana Symphony Orchestra, October 15th, 8 p.m. Centennial Hall. Concert's free. Go check it out. Jacob, my friend, thank you so much. Is it another month now? I know, right? I can't believe <laughs> What we are we going to do for November? Well, start thinking Start on thinking it. now. Work it on it. Well, remember, people can give feedback on the website. So please let us know if there's something you want to know about. Otherwise, who knows? Stay tuned for our next edition of Music 101. My thanks to Jacob Banks and Daniel Chattel. I'm Mindy Heisel. I'll be back again tomorrow.